In this episode, I sit down with Brian from the RPG and Co. We spoke about everything D&D, including our favorite D&D minis, favorite modules, and some of our favorite topics within nerddom. We also spoke about Tolkien and his influence in the fantasy genre. We spoke about all this and more on today's episode of the podcast. So be sure to listen to the whole thing. And if you do like it, be sure to share it with your friends, subscribe to the podcast if you're not already, and leave a five-star review. Your support helps us grow as a podcast, but it also allows the D&D and TTRPG genre to grow even more. Lastly, I did want to mention our newest sponsor, 1985 Games. 1985 Games reached out to me as a brand ambassador, and I accepted the opportunity. And of course, I only accept it because it's a company that I believe in. I really love their products, everything from their cutout two-sided terrain to the deck of stories that they helped Jason from Critical Dice, a former guest of the show, produce, and so much more. So if you do get a chance, check out the link below for more details. With that being said, let's get to this episode. Hey folks, Brian here. And today on the show, we have Brian from RPG. Hey, Brian. We have two Bryans on the show today, and it's you're going to have double the Bryans, double the excitement, and double the nerdiness. Be squared. Be squared. Yeah. I love it. Squared. How are you doing today, my friend? I am fantastic. Uh, it is awesome to be uh, chatting again. It's been so long since we've sat down and, and, uh, and chatted. Um, it so it really has so been. Much for, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me. This is... Uh, no, I've been I've been wanting to have you on the show. It's been again, life has been crazy, but I've been wanting to have you on the show. And especially since we've connected. And mm -hmm. again, one thing I love about this community is that through the power of the Internet, we have met awesome people. And I would I mean, you're part of my core group of people that I love talking to and yeah. that I shoot ideas with. And that, you know, I know that we could grab a beer outside of you know, the D and D community and just hang mm -hmm. out. And I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And, and I mean, my sentiment is, is a hundred percent the same. Um, just talking about this before we, we came on here, but there's, I got a core group of about four people, you included that I feel, no, not I feel because we've done it where, I mean, we could literally sit and talk for just hours before we have to go back to real life. So, and not anything <laughs> about gaming either. Like we've talked about, no, gaming. it could be anything we've talked about every, yeah. I mean, our, you know, our upbringings and our cultures, like, I mean, having the yeah. same, uh, the same, you know, <laughs> instances with our parents, specifically uh -huh. our mothers. Love you, mom. If you're watching or listening, um, <laughs> like which, she, which she does. The funny thing is my mom's a supportive um, individual, but again, what we've talked about before, man, it's, it's great. The cultural, it's, nuances, yeah. the cultural nuances, the cultural nuances. Um, but, I, you know, I've said it many times and I'll say it again. COVID was the best thing that has ever happened for the D&D, for the game of D&D &D and, yes. and the gaming community. Yes, it has. And it's I think it's brought people. I mean, because during that time we grew closer as friends and I really, yeah. you know, I have to look at the silver lining and something that has that has affected yeah. so many people in a negative way. But during this time, I mean, people really grew together. You and I became closer friends. I started streaming more games. I started, I started this podcast during mm -hmm. that time. Like it is, it's crazy how this happens, but, and yeah. you know, one thing that we've talked about many a times is our journeys into, into gaming and how we got into the TTRPG space. 
Could you tell the folks in the audience how that started for you? What was that journey like? Oh, wow. I mean, that goes back to, you know, and, and again, I'm going to date myself, but who cares? I, everybody knows I'm, I'm an old fart, uh, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I started playing, I started playing D and D probably right. I started playing when, when, well, no, it was when basic came out. So what? 77, 78, it's maybe not that 74, 76. I may, I probably started when I was about 10. So 1980. Okay. There you go. Now, you know, exactly yeah, it was still, was. it was still basic. Yeah. It was just about when, when, uh, I don't remember when AD and D came out, like nine, like 81 or 82. I'm just guessing, but I that's when I really got into it was when advanced Dungeons and Dragons came out. I still have my player's handbook. I still got my monster manual there. Um, and, uh, I remember, you know, during high school, I had, again, this, this like core, I mean, I was a nerd in high school, you know, I didn't do sports or anything like that. I had this core group of friends and I'm not joking. When I say every weekend, I was over at my buddy's house for a sleepover and we played role-playing games, mostly D and D, but all kinds of stuff. Yes. Um, that's how it was in high school for me. Middle school throughout high school. It, I, yep. it, the only difference was that I like I played sports and and that was just because I wanted a physical activity so that I can eat yeah. all the junk food that I was eating during game like <laughs> so I was like oh let's kill two birds with one stone you know what I mean the Doritos and the Dr Pepper yeah exactly yeah <laughs> well do, it was not Dr Pepper because in the South there was cheer wine and it's like um cheer wine is like a North Carolina really. At least I've had it a lot in North Carolina. It's like, I want to say it's like licorice almost, um, but I know oh. it started in, it, it's, you. yes, it's kind of weird, <laughs> but it's honestly pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. You have to try Actually, it. Actually, I remember my, my buddy's mom used to always buy RC Cola. That's, that's, it was. I love RC Cola. That, right? Yeah. Uh, we have a little bit of an inside joke in our family about RC Cola because like you can't you couldn't find it too often here, uh-huh. but oh, uh, so our so Cheerwine is actually about 30, 40 minutes away. That's where it started from where I'm oh, at, okay. North Carolina. Okay, so it's like it is a North Carolina drink. Even if you don't like it, you drink it because you're proud of it. Um, okay, well, you're gonna have to send me a can or a bottle or whatever sometimes so I can. I can. I, I don't. I will do that. I will. <laughs> okay. I will do that. Don't. Don't even tempt me. Um, but All no. Right. Um, so you started. So you were doing. So you're playing every weekend. Were you building your own world or were you playing modules? What were you doing? So I, when I, when we were kids, I, it was rare that I was the DM. Okay. One of us was usually the DM. There was another one who did it, but I did regardless. I did spend a lot of time building worlds um, or rather building narratives rather than building out a whole world. It was more of, of this grand narrative, um, which is kind of what I still do, even when I'm doing, even if it's a one shot, I still, you know, and I, and I've learned this over the years in my, in my business and advertising is, is I always have a, a very high level, big picture. Um, so that, and I, and I bring this to when I do brand work too. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if your task is this, you still look at this, um, because that allows it to grow into more and it always keeps doors open. So I would, I would spend a lot of time writing narratives. Usually they had to do with like, um, the undead taking over the world. I loved liches and the whole undead legions and all that stuff. Um, so I spent a lot of time. Yeah. I spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and again, we, we, I mean, it was mostly D and D, but we played 
Shadowrun, we played Middle oh, Earth, nice. we played Marvel Heroes, Champions, we played a lot of Battletech. Um, so I mean, it was it was everything. Uh, and then everybody went away to college. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, less and less. When we came home, we got into Magic for for a long oh, time nice. and played that. And then there were a lot of years where it was basically a long hiatus. And it probably was maybe ten years ago where um, we decided again. You know, our kids were of an age where we could sneak away now and again, you know, every month for a, a night. Um, we were like, you know what, let's just start playing D&D again and um, dove back in with the uh, 5e. Actually, is when it was like f- probably 4e. Um, 10 years but, ago. Uh, yeah, 2012. So yeah, it was or it might have been three. It might have been during like, like three and four. The 3.5 um, to 4e era. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, and we've been we've been playing ever since. And then, you know, the RPG and company thing, you know, the short story, it's all on my website. I think I've talked about this before. But uh, yeah, I'll post, I'll post a link to it. Okay. Ah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Um, I, I, there was a period. Um, so my whole career in, in, as a designer in advertising has been a lot of freelance work, freelance contractor. I did mm-hmm. have a lot of full-time agency gigs. And when my last full-time agency gig ended, I just, I was very, very burned out and I just mm-hmm. had to, um, inject some passion into my daily work. For sure. And, um, I think I told you like a bunch of things happened at once. I met Matt Mercer at C2E2 in Chicago. That's talked legit. to him. Yeah. Talked to Rachel, um, ended up doing a year and a half worth of miscellaneous work for Critical Role, but kind of reconnected with them, heard their story. One guy was working for Microsoft or Google or something and, and he got fed up and uh, opened up a game store in, in Oregon. Um, and it was just one of those things, like a bunch of things fell into place mm-hmm. uh, and then COVID happened <laughs> Yeah, uh, and a bunch of things fell in place. And, you know, one thing led to another and that's kind of, you know, how I started the whole RPG and companies. So really RPG and co has been a recent, you know, thing that has now become a almost... I want to say it's kind of like how the bearded nerds started and how I think a lot of these communities are these little, you know, sub communities within the D and D community start where it's like, it's a passion project. It's something to, you know, we're all creatives, whether you are more, you know, whether you're someone who maybe adheres to more quote unquote logic. If you play D and D you're, you're a creative no matter what. And that's kind of, and I think that's where we connect as well, where, very similarly in my day job, because it was dealing with a lot of heavy topics and dealing just with a lot of burnout at the end of the day, I wanted something to kind of go back into D&D and express myself, but also to just share my knowledge. Because something, you know, you mentioned your friend who started this game store. Well, the game store when I was a kid was a place where I could go to or like the comic book shop or both, but mm-hmm. it was a place yep. where I could go to and ask questions about, hey, what's you know the new game? Oh, Magic the Gathering. You should check it out and let me teach you how to play. Or, yeah. hey, what's this? Oh, it's Pathfinder, AK 3.75. Let me teach you how to play, right? Let me share this knowledge with you. And that's kind of where the Bearded Nerd started, where I wanted to share my knowledge with folks at a you know free to low cost, because again, there should not be a barrier to entry in these things. Um, at least that's what I believe, even though if, you know, whether you monetize it or not, that's not a big deal. It's more of you shouldn't gatekeep, right? Yes. Um, correct. And especially like 
I think because I started playing 1995, 1996 um, with my friends, we didn't know what we were doing, but we, you know, and actually um, on our last uh, episode of your show that we played, um, oh, sorry, I was, my wife just reminded me I was five around 95. I was playing around, (laughs) basically I was playing around, I'm trying to remember now. Cause I was around 10. So what? 2000. My wife reminded okay. me. See, my okay. wife's the brains of this operation, but I was playing around <laughs> 10. I was exposed to it though, as a younger child, because all our friend, my friends, they had brothers and sisters that played, but it was very like hush hush because again, the whole satanic panic thing, mm-hmm. satanic yeah. panic, like even culturally for us as, you know, Cuban Americans and as South America, as other South Americans, friends of mine who are Venezuelan um, or in, in the Nicaragua, you know, all those mm-hmm. places like the satanic panic reached our communities because we were told and saw the news like, oh my gosh, there's this thing. Don't let your kids do it. Um, mm-hmm. So like we played in secret now around that time though. And I, you know, around the, between the ages of five and 10, my dad would constantly read the Hobbit or the Ooh. Lord of the Rings to me, like bedtime. Like that was like, yeah. I'm gonna, and I still have his copies that I would literally just go through as a oh, kid wow. and just open. I, the binding oh, wow. is torn. I, it's, it's uh-huh. shot to shit. Like, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, it is. Yeah. But um, that's probably part of its charm. Absolutely. I, that yeah. it's not worth anything value wise, but to me, it is probably, oh, yeah, it's priceless. It's priceless because my dad introduced me to that when I was a young kid. And from then when we heard about D and D, we thought that it was like Lord of the Rings. Oh, we're playing Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. So that's mm-hmm. how it started. And we played, I mean, we made our own action figures, so to speak, um, from either like third party, like they had third party, like fantasy, like a He-Man, but it wasn't He-Man. You know, it's like the knockoffs. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And those were our toys and our, and our, and our, you know, mini figs really. Um, especially like the little, you know, the green plastic army men. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Com- those, they had a fantasy version of like really like knights and, you know, archers. And that's what we used to. And we just played Lord of the Rings. And then when we found D and D as, you know, 10 year olds, we were like, oh, cool. None of us knew how to play. We were taught little by little, but we still played. And again, that's the imagination. That's the creative aspect of it. And I really, I really find that all these individuals who have come to play D and D like their focus was, let me, let me drill into the story. Let me, like you said, let me create a narrative. Let me create something versus, oh, let me build an army of X amount of points and let's just go to mm-hmm. town. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my opinion. What do you think about that? What do you think that a lot of people who started playing D&D, was it for the story aspect or was it them fighting as the hero, like basically being their own video game, but in a tabletop setting? I think so. W- when you know so we're talking about two i I don't want to say two different generations because it wasn't that far apart but but two different periods in in time and two different periods of where the game was at that Mm -hmm. time i i actually think that it was a bit of both um i definitely think that it was you know being able to like play a video game and level up you know i mean it was it was so much about leveling and and magic items and and that type of stuff in fact, I remember, you know, you talk about um, like, you know, older brothers and sisters playing and not knowing what you're doing. And I remember there was a period when we played where uh, between sessions, we would like, oh, I'm going to go home and I'll just, uh, 
uh, like go through the woods and fight wandering monsters and level up on my own. And then we all get back together. And it's like, oh yeah, I reached level eight. It's like the Warcraft equivalent of just going out in the forest and killing boars, right? <laughs> I was just thinking that I, I, I was... <laughs> I was waiting to say it, but I'm glad you said it for me. Yeah, it was yeah, farming. Exactly. You were farming. Yeah. So I, I think it was still very much in its infancy and, and still maturing. Um, so I think that that was a very important aspect. And the, this, the developing the deeper stories was, like I said, was still in its uh, maturation phase. Mm. Um, I think, you know, when you started playing, uh, um, I think it started shifting more towards the story and, uh, and immersing yourself in this, in this new world. And certainly I think yeah. it's, it's made the full shift. I mean, now it doesn't matter. You know, I'd rather almost play a third or fourth level character than a 15th. It's more fun, you know? I agree. Um, so I mean, now it's about, it's, it's about that story. No, I completely agree. I think, the narrative, the story aspect of it is what draws us in. I think, you know, you yeah. mentioned earlier that you did work with Critical Role. And I think one of the reasons why Critical Role is such a big name in the houses of those who play D&D is because of the story that they tell. They tell oh, a genuine, they tell a genuine story, no matter what you like about it or don't like about it. Because I know there's some people that don't like Critical Role, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, to each their own. I don't, I don't adhere to the policy that you have to like everything that everyone likes in D and D. Sure, you know, of course, I'm gonna be that weirdo, and I think Fourth Edition wasn't a bad edition. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was bad. A lot of people yeah. hate on it, but I really don't think Fourth Edition was bad. I love 3.5. I'll tell you that much. That I mean, I think sometimes I, mean, I just love it. Every edition can be improved. Five E. There's plenty. Of, why? I mean, why? You know, I've got a whole mess of homebrew rules. You've seen them. Yeah. I don't know if it improves the game for, for beginning players or, or, you know, or less experienced players. No, I don't think what I, my homebrew rules improve the game. I think it complicates it for, you know, for longtime veteran players. I personally think it improves the game. You know, it adds these, these deeper levels of mechanics to go along with the, you know, the deeper aspect of storytelling that has, that has come about. Um, you know, and it's funny with critical role, like over, over the course of the, the past few years of watching them, I find myself way more invested when they go on like shopping runs to like mm-hmm. bots or whatever, rather than uh, a, a battle, you know, or a, or a combat. Uh, I session. agree. I mean, it's just, it's, there's so much more to it um, than, you know, than, than the mechanics. I mean, the mechanics are great if you're playing, you know, True. but to watch it, it's certainly fun, but I would much rather, like I said, I'd much rather see three hours of them, you know, shopping and interacting with NPCs. I'd agree. I'd agree because I'm when it comes to combat, I think there are other systems that would allow you to have a more enjoyable combat scenario and not just oh, talking yeah. RPGs. I'm talking tabletop war games. Yes. You want combat. Let me see. If you want combat, you could pull you can pick up a starter set of hero clicks by WizKids and you can just play. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a it's a very inexpensive game. I think a starter set or group would maybe cost you twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. and you and your friend, or you can get a box like the it's like the starter box where it comes with two armies or two armies, mm-hmm. so to speak, quote unquote. 
and you can do that or you could play warhammer i mean that's pretty i was gonna say that's the tail end don't include warhammer because, because unless you've got about five thousand dollars to oh. blow <laughs> let me let me tell you a side story i was playing DD with a friend of mine um the original guys who i played DD with um in 2014 when fifth edition first came out and we were all like, oh, what's this edition? We're, you know, this fifth edition. Well, let's let's test it out. Well, we were all playing and the um, this individual, he had his Warhammer army and we lived in the same apartment complex, ironically. So I would just go downstairs and I would ask him, hey, man, um, ironically, we met at the game store and then he gave me his address and I was like, dude, we're in the same place. But anyway, uh, he told fine. me. I asked him, how much is that army that you spent? He's like, dude, don't ask, please. I feel yeah. really bad about it. And I'm like, wait, 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 really? Like, why would you feel bad? And mind you, I'm just trying to assume, I'm not trying to assume anything. This man tells me that he spent $32,000 on all his Warhammer, like minis and his, like his armies, the books, um, and then including paint. And he said it though, like as in, well, this includes paint and brushes and supplies, like to try to make it better <laughs> with 32K. He said, I could have bought a car. And I was like, dude, with That's 32K, you could have done a, that is. Uh, so I'll tell you, I, I absolutely love the, the canon of Warhammer 40K. I have read all the Horus Heresy books, some of them numerous times. I absolutely just love the world. The lore in the world it. is amazing. It's amazing. Far. I've got, I mean, I've got a pretty decent. So I tried to get my buddies to play once. And the only thing I'll say is it did not go over well in it. And, and we never played again. You never so my collecting the figures has only, yeah, my collecting the figures. And I've got a pretty decent amount of figures. A lot of some of them pretty old sets. In fact, because I don't actually play the game, I've actually been thinking about selling some of those old sets, seeing if they're worth anything. Because I've got oh, don't more tell me, dude, I'll... than I ever have time to paint. So mm, my that's 40K not a stuff is that's not a problem that's that's there's but um we'll talk and, i love minis and I, I have an addiction i, I mean i mean oh, I, have I do a... too <laughs> i i do too but like i said i may have some 40k stuff that that are that are now like long discontinued that probably worth a lot i don't know but uh and i love and i think so this i'm gonna go off a little bit here but go for I'll it keep it short i think that that Games Workshop's figures are by far the absolute highest quality, best sculpted, most amazing figures yes. anywhere in the game world. Agree. The cost of these fucking things is astronomical. They were expensive when I was a kid. And now it's just like I they should be ashamed of themselves for but charging what they do. And the and the game has become so fixated now. Like I know when you play, like whatever your mini is, mm -hmm. that's what the stats are. Or if this is your stat block, you have to have a matching mini. There is no like when I, you know, the few times that I set up armies, I'm like, oh, these are close enough. It's you know, an, a squad of Eldar, but this is actually their equipment. That's like the biggest no-no in, in the 40k world i just think that and i use their paints their paints are fantastic but man it like i have such a problem with what they charge for their shit it's fucking criminal it is <laughs> so. it really is though because <laughs> i bought an army of like barbarian like chaos barbarians or whatever from age of sigmar yeah. and i was like okay i'm gonna use these for uh barbarians which haven't yes. touched 
I've primed them. Okay. I've primed them all. <laughs> Touched. I've used them for D and D though. Heck yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and that See, was that's the thing. You can't use fucking space marines for D and D. I know, I know. And unless <laughs> it's unless they come out with spell jammer anytime soon. <laughs> that's true. That's just true. waiting. For Greyhawk. Yeah. <laughs> Please, wizards, if you listen to this. <laughs> Come out with spell jammer because so I go been ahead. Dying. So you got it. This army of barbarians, they're primed and you've never touched them. Never painted them. Um, yeah, and that's pretty. I've never, I've never painted them. They're just like in a black prime, just because I like the shadow, that kind of shadowy yeah. effect. Yep, never I mean, painted every, them. Every once in a while, I'll see something posted, you know, like or like the Primarchs, you know, uh, yes. figures, and I'm like, God, that is just amazing, and it's plastic, which I actually prefer to uh, to pewter. Um, yeah. I like the pewter minis. But plastic. But 150 bucks for a plastic sculpt. Oh, oh dude, man. no, no, no. <laughs> That can I, I'm looking at that, and as a new dad, I'm like that can buy me so many diapers. Like <laughs> I'm not even like I'm not. No, I can't. Yeah. But um, no, no. I think honestly, Games Workshop minis are some of the best, if not the best. Yeah. I believe yep. that. I mean, I'm talking for Warhammer 40k, Age of Sigmar. No, the, all of everything they do. Yeah, I agree. Middle Earth battle systems. There, it is fin- fantastic. I mean, I play that as well. Because I actually have, there's folks here in the area that play Middle Earth Battle Systems uh, or Battle Companies, excuse me. And their their minis are fantastic. Actually, fun fact, the Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, you know, Battle Company, that whole genre, they actually scaled their minis to be the quote unquote height equivalent that it would be in the Lord of the Rings myth and lore. So the elves are like taller than the dwarves. And okay. the orcs and got so their actual true height versus okay. sometimes like in D and D and here and what I my big thing with hero minis rather I should just I should state hero minis um, mm-hmm. sometimes they're the same scale because they're the hero yeah. they're not yeah. supposed to be um, differences in heights they're supposed to be relatively the same um, yeah. fun little fact for the audience members out there if you've ever had that question of hey why is this elf the same size as this dwarf or vice versa or whatever it may be it's because they're hero minis. Um, they're supposed to stand out, but no, I, I love Reaper minis too. Reaper. Oh, minis. actually Reaper and, and they're, um, I'm not a fan of the white, uh, the uh, bones, the new bones, the, the black, I'm sorry, the black. Oh, I, the, I that do. are hard plastic, uh-huh. you know, the white malleable stuff. I, I actually, I really don't like those. Um, Me neither. Because I, they always seem, you know, swords are bent and whatnot. Now we're getting really geek, which is fine. I love it. No, this is but all, their, this their is what new it's about. line of, yeah, but their new line of, of black figures, which is the hard molded They're plastic, so good. I absolutely love. I think they are freaking fantastic. You know, and you know, what's funny is they do posts now and they credit the sculptor and Julie Guthrie. You, you recognize the name, Julie Guthrie. She's one of the, uh, yeah. uh, the sculpt sculptor for for reaper now and i remember when i was a kid when grenadier minis all the pewter stuff came out i mean she's been doing this for as long as i holy crap yes that's right yeah i remember and and i remember you know uh like when i was buying the sets of grenadier minis yeah um she was she was a sculptor for a lot of that stuff like i mean she's been in the i would love to have her on the podcast because she's a legend in the community like she like for the folks out there who don't know she has been sculpting these minis for such a long time but the thing Mm -hmm. like the fantasy here i'll I'll say it this way the reason why you have certain 
nostalgic fantasy minis is because of her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hands so I've, down. and I've noticed that I've started paying attention lately and noticing lately, you know, with Reaper coming out with the new, the new black line. They're so good. Um, they're so good. That, and they're yeah, so that, affordable. That her name is still there. I'm like, Oh my God. I remember like in the late seventies buying those packs of, and I still distinctly remember, you know, each figure yeah. uh, in those, in those packs. Well, um, they were unique. They had personality. And before yeah. we, I remember when whiz kids came out with the pre, with the un, with the pre-primed unpainted minis, the two in a box. I was like, these are pretty cool because you get two minis. And um, I got something to say about those two when you're done. Oh, yeah. No, um, I we will. No, but go ahead. We will fire away because, <laughs> again, as a mini snob, I love a lot of minis. I'm it's I'm like, I don't discriminate against minis, but the Reaper Bones minis, the, like the, the white ones we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only reason I bought them was because they had everything. You want the rat- material. Um the, the sculpts are fantastic. Sculpts it's were just great. Material. The material was garbage. Yeah. Um yeah. the diversity in the amount of figs that you can get. Like, oh, you oh, want a God. barmaid yeah. who is of this, you know, background. Perfect. Yep. Pirate, yeah, awesome. A mayor, okay, cool. A pet, yep. oh, whatever you wanted there. Um, I remember going on Amazon and finding the pewter minis, the same exact version, because I thought, you know what, with the material, I'd rather just buy the pewter. It's so much better. Yes. Um, But yeah, no. And then the WizKids mini started coming out and I bought those a lot because, again, it was two minis for the price for I think back then it was like three to four dollars. So I thought, okay, $2 a mini is not bad and they're decent. Mm-hmm. Um, did I paint them? No, they're still in the pile of shame that I'm having a friend of mine from the game store paint for me, but I still have some of the original ones. So my, uh, so my, yeah, Reaper stuff um, is just my favorite. Yeah, um, I, I love think, them. Like you said, their, their sculpts are fantastic. The, the, the selection is unbelievable. They are classic backed, nostalgia minis. Yes. hundred percent. I have backed a ton of Kickstarter board game projects over the past couple of years. Some of them for no other reason than to have the entire collection of minis that comes with that game. Absolutely. Because they're so fantastic. That's why. Um, I got talisman. What got what? <laughs> the board game talisman. It's a great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the reasons yeah. why I bought it. Was I, I got uh, so, I got I got Solomon Kane from Mythic Games um, because the minis are just freaking fantastic. However, and this is an aside, but they're 32 millimeter as opposed to 28. And like you yeah. said, you know, I'm like, oh my god. Um, Simon's minis for uh, Game of Thrones are also fantastic. Yes. I was for, just going to say that. Yeah. Oh. For like, oh, I need a bunch of guards. Boom, right there. They're also a little bit bigger and you got to cut them off their bases because the bases don't fit uh, status rings. No, they don't. So I cut them all off the bases and put them on new one inch bases. But um, the WizKids stuff, I think, again, I, I have mixed views because I think their selection of what you can get, especially for player characters, is fantastic. I mean, yes, it, I, agree. Know, I mean, naturally, it's basically the entire monster manual and the entire player's handbook. Yeah. Um, but I have tried uh, numerous times to paint the, the character figures, the WizKids character figures. I cannot stand them. The whole mm. primed thing looks great in the package and out of the package as soon as you put paint on them 
they they look horrendous. And and you know there are a lot of talented, more talented painters out there than me. But I, I like to think that I'm I'm pretty talented mini painter. But I just well, cannot get into work. Well, what I they're do, monsters. The bigger stuff. Oh, is great. Yeah. I still buy those and I still paint them. I don't buy the the, the characters anymore because I I think they look like garbage once you paint them. Well, I still prime everything, even if it says pre-primed. I still prime it. I like a black primer because again, I like yeah. it come it the shadows and everything kind of uh, creep up. I'm also a huge. I was a big fan of Marvel yeah. and the art style that came out, you know, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. 2000 yeah. is when I started seeing some of the artistry just kind of go downhill, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then it picked back up in 2004 onward. There was that weird yeah. period in Marvel. But anyway, because I have, I like the dark edging, you know, like on and some like the dark outline and edging and whatnot. I love priming them black because it reminds me of that as a kid. Yeah. Again, yeah. everything like all the the story that I tell, the campaign that I run that's been going on forever now, the world that I've built has all been like inspired by you know Lord of the Rings, Marvel, everything that I grew mm-hmm. up with. Um, yeah. Even the minis that I paint to the point of me priming them black because the shadows pop up and it's like a comic book. I love it. Yeah. So I, I still prime all that. Um, I do love. I do too. I was going to say. Because the gray primer, again, yes. I don't want to interrupt, but the gray primer is like a, you know, a let's try to please everybody. But well, and that's the thing. On- it's trash, but you have to please everyone. That's the thing you have to. Yeah. So I understand where WizKids is coming from as well, where it's like, yeah. I'm, I say it's trash because I don't like gray. I like black, yes. but that's well, me. You, you do either depending on the mini and depending on what you're, how you're painting it, you either do black or white. True. Very. See, to I, make the colors either pop or to get those shadows. Gray does nothing. No. Unless you're but, painting a car. <laughs> very true. But that's also where it's like, you know, I don't mean trash in the way of like they're horrible sculpts. I love the sculpts. Oh, the sculpts are great. The sculpts. I want to shake the person's hand because like I have, there's an elf archer that I have from like the first gen. And I'm like, wait a minute. What's the, like, I'm looking at the detail and I'm like, their nose is like perfectly like pointed and shaped and all this other, the cheekbones, you can actually see cheekbones. Like that's 28 Mm -hmm. millimeter scale where you can see cheekbones. But for some reason, like I said, they look fantastic before you paint them, but I don't know what their, their primer uh, material you know what kind of paint they're using or whatever but as soon as you put paint over that all that detail just is disappears what they need what i would highly recommend is that if they change their priming process to like what the new reaper black models do yes yes if they did that i mean they wouldn't be it able has to no grip anything. to it no it doesn't yeah the whole, the whole point of primer is to get that grit and that and the whiz kids primer is i don't know why they put it on there personally but honestly, it's other than bad, that, it's, just, it's fantastic. Their stuff is fantastic. No, other than that, I mean, like you said, to be able to say, you know, oh, here's my player and get to, you know, an action pose and a, and a sitting in a tavern pose. I mean, of, of any race and class combination, it's yep. fantastic. They just need to change their, their material and their, and their priming process. And you can't beat it. You can't, and you can't beat it. Also, if you want, uh, I have a storm giant that I'm going to make more like a Greek God. So like, I'm going to make him like more Zeus like, um, wow. For I bought it at fifth for fifteen ninety nine at the game store. Um, mm-hmm. You can't beat that. You cannot beat no. buying a storm giant for fifteen ninety nine 
with the lightning bolt. You know, it's got the veins on there. It, it, I mean, the vascularity of the storm yeah. giant where there's veins on the biceps and on the and, and things like that. You can't be. Yeah. Um, I, I just love that amount of detail. And plus, I've seen you the bigger monsters and, and creatures like that. I noticed that the paint and the prime perfect. They're fine. I don't know what it is. Yes. Yeah. So, but I think no. it's just that detail of the yeah. sculpts fills in with the primer they use like i said on the bigger stuff i mean here's this guy here you know, oh nice I, he's been in uh, this has been work in progress been sitting on my desk like this for for four months <laughs> and for the full and for the folks who um are are just are hearing this episode that was the what that was the mtg line of uh reaper that was the or no pit this fiend. is Wiz, this is whiz kids yeah that was the, is that the pit fiend or is that the um yes Okay. That's uh, what I, I think it's the Pit Fiend. Yeah. I thought it was Rat. I thought it was the Dean, the Wiz Kids MTG combination uh, uh, or the collaboration they did. And they did like Rat Ghost Devil. They did. Like oh, all no, the no, 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 no. This okay. is, this that's is the Pit Fiend. This, I think that's the Pit Fiend. Yeah. Yeah. No. But yeah. That, their bigger stuff paints fantastic. up. I don't know what it is. It paints up great. So the big stuff I still buy. I don't buy the, the little, you know, the characters anymore. No, I totally understand. But you see, whatever. now I look at that Pit Fiend and I'm like, there's also the Balrog from the, middle earth battle companies mm -hmm. is the same mm -hmm. size as the pit fiend so you know you could if you didn't want to spend you know games workshop money yeah. you could buy a pit fiend and then repurpose and have the stats on it and that's what i love about yeah. WizKids, where a lot of people in the community i a lot of people that i know that are they quote themselves and they say that they are like war gaming enthusiasts and not rpg enthusiasts they buy WizKids models and use it to replace some, you know, to proxy their, their army or yeah. other creatures. And not yeah. as much in the, in the, not as much in the Warhammer community, because again, you, you, you have to paint everything a particular way, but like in other RPGs, mm -hmm. they don't care. And, uh, yeah. and again, that just is a testament to the, to the diversity of WizKids minis. Again, you could yes. anything and everything. I, that's what I love yeah. about them. Again, if I could, if I had the disposable income to just buy more minis and fill this room up, $32,000 worth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but I do know some people in the community that have storage units full of minis. Um, uh, have you, well, I mean, Jim, Epic Jim's, his fungin, I mean, God damn, I am so jealous of that fucking room. He's got so much shit. And then, do you know, have you, you follow Inked Mage? Yeah, I love Dan. Dan, Dan, yeah. uh, Dan and have I you seen text. his room? Yes, dude. I've, because I've texted him yeah. about it. I'm like, I need your help. And he's like, get a basement. And I'm like, I, that's not the help get I need, bro. I know, like, that's like me. I don't have a basement either, you know? So I, my living room, my office is filled with this shit. I'm like, oh, I'm in a town a home. Look, <laughs> me like, too, same. I'm in a town. I'm like, North Carolina, we don't do basements, man. Like, it doesn't snow that often for that. Um, yeah. But no, I, I would... I told my wife the next house we build or buy or whatever, I want a basement and I got to call. I don't know. Maybe the audience members can help me with that name later down the future to call that because uh, the fungin's taken. So obviously you can't. can't I know that. that's fantastic. Yeah, That was epic. Yeah. No. And I love Epic Jim. He's an amazing guy. He was um, he's going to be on the podcast soon. We we tried recording, but tech issues was it was in the beginning of all the COVID stuff where tech okay. like, servers were being blown up essentially with like, yeah, so much much data i mean uh -huh. 
thing, everything was crashing. And that's when, but that's when we recorded it. So I got to get him back on. But anyway, with all that being said, um, yeah, we went on, we went down a deep rabbit hole. I know, but it's minis, man. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Help I know. It. I'm such a, I'm such a geek for, for minis. Really How, do you follow D and D minis daily? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, just making sure. Cause that's my, yes. that's like my mini fix. I'm like, we, we need to, uh, you know, so speaking of that, I want to, so I'm, um, so lawfully chaotic, you yes. know, Adam Scott and I from the D and D club, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Adam Scott. So we got lawfully chaotic going. You were on once, um, yeah, gentleman game it. master, Malcolm was on once. Yeah. Gentleman um, game master um, is, I see his terrain and his minis just since we're on that topic. Freaking, well, his lighting, he does such a, he's always said, you know, how cinema, how cinema has, um, influenced him. And you can totally tell because his setups with the lighting and everything are just, they're just amazing. But he makes cinematic have, productions. We, we do, yeah. But I'm going to get, I'm going to, so, so Adam, um, so I'm doing Lawfully Chaotic now. It is an RPG and company. Um, cool. And there cool. was just so people know, there was no kind of falling out between Adam and I at all. Nothing, nothing of the sort. It was, we both sat down and he is his, he's so busy with D and D club stuff yeah. um, that we would just decided that I will take the reins of that. We still collaborate on a lot of stuff, but there's mm. no, there's no kind of falling out or anything. Okay. Um, just to make that clear. But that said, I am, I have been trying to see, to figure out what lawfully chaotic looks like with just me, because one of the reasons I thought it was so good is because he makes it so easy to talk about things. He's great at soliciting information in the form of questions and whatnot. I'm able to be as, uh, as um, I'll call it what you will. I'm able to be the way I am on camera because I play off of him. Understood. I have, I have to decide if, if just me, you know, yammering on the camera alone is worth people watching. Well, you, you could always just have a, you know, I, I remember I started this podcast and I was, it was just, it was just me. And I was like, I can yeah. talk and I love talking, but it's a lot more, f it's, it's, I don't know. I find it more interesting and I find it way more entertaining just for myself, even to sit down with someone and have a conversation. Oh my God. A hundred percent, which is why I haven't done another lawfully chaotic show, you know, in two months since Adam and I made that decision. So what I was getting at is I want to have you on, I want to have Malcolm on. I'm, I think, I'm already I think down. Should, I'm down. I, okay. I would, I will schedule that. I think that would be a good way for me to like kind of re-kick it off is all of us on at the same time. Oh, it's going to have to be it, like a 12 hour show because we're never going to shut up. <laughs> or like you said, it, it can so, be a 12 hour show. We could do a charity. We, we could do a, we could honestly do like a charity be. stream where we like raise money. We talk shop, play games and just, Shoot love the it. shit. I mean, because let's will, be honest. We got a lot of talking. No, I love that idea. I really do. We got a lot of talking offline to figure this shit out because it's stuff I'm down. like that. That yeah, okay. I'm we down. More people anymore with that. It, it anyway. might just be that I have to burp a baby in between and give you know, so she might have her first Twitch I'm, stream. It is what it is. That's fine. I'm surprised the dog hasn't gone ape shit yet from the from somebody delivering the, an Amazon package at the door. <laughs> well, your dog can also be uh, the mascot. So he's, just saying, he's the uh, the dire wolf in the uh in the background protecting the mighty keep yes yeah. that's right see but, but uh and that's what the community is about and that's what i love about like how we've all got again silver we have to look at the silver lining and, and the shit storm that's been occurring yeah. lately 
um, in the past two, three years or whatever it's been, um, where you just got to look at that silver lining. Um, What I was going to say, though, was in all that, again, talking about minis and stuff and things of that nature, I feel, and please correct me if I'm wrong, your game is not necessarily dependent upon... um, the things like, okay, this, let me reverse engineer this. My game is not dependent upon anything aesthetic. I might have a Game of Thrones mini, a D&D, a WizKids mini, a Rune Wars, whatever, but that's there to represent the narrative of what's going on. Everything and anything, whether it's terrain, minis. I mean, if I have to use a, a, a coaster to represent something, I will do it. Is that how, you, is that kind of your DM style where you'll use audio, visual, whatever, to help with the narrative or are you more well nope this has to be a specific you know uh dimension this has to be this because that's what the rules are and that's what the rules say so on and so forth okay so if you're a one okay and if somebody like let's say malcolm or dan is a 10 Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i'm probably i'm probably right in the middle Okay. Okay. Understood. I do, you know, like I like when I, when I, when I prepare enough in advance for my stream or for my, for my paid games, like Wednesday nights, sometimes Monday and Tuesday, Mm -hmm. you know, I like to spend a lot of time, uh, even on my dry erase maps, drawing that out. Um, if I give myself enough time, I like to get pretty detailed, you know, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm an artist. That's what I do. So for sure. Um, I have delved into, you know, I've got some warlock tile stuff, which is awesome. I, I do like I the warlock tiles. Started, yep. Uh, for the cost, you cannot beat it. Um, cost and time. And I don't have time to craft. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, right. No. Um, I've delved into Dwarven Forge, which a little bit cost prohibitive, but even more fantastic of a product. I mean, magnets rather than having to snap stuff together is just fucking brilliant whoever's whosever idea that was i don't know if that was Stephen pokorny's idea or whatever but um you know to be able to just put stuff together with magnets uh is unbelievable so dwarven forge stuff i'm a huge fan of and adam and i had a we had a show uh whose main topic was talking about 3d terrain and has it reached a point where it is detracting from the game or the storytelling so it's interesting that you bring that up again um i I do like to be as yeah i like to be and and my opinion has started to change i was more against it than i am now i'm for it i'm actually for 3d terrain now i do I do feel Adam made a statement during that discussion that there is a point at, at what I should say, at what point does it start to feel more like a war game than D and D? Okay. And we don't need to get into that. No, I was actually going to say, could you please okay, get into ahead. it? Because I think you see, this is what the podcast is about. I it's talking about all this. I think where we're at right now is a good balance. I think we have a lot. We have warlock tiles, which again, great barrier, great ease of entry for the price. I'm telling y'all right now. Yes, it is cheaper to craft your own terrain. Go to dollar store, XPS film. You're good, but quality made of a lot. When you get all the materials, when you get the paint, when you mm-hmm. get everything, and then storing it, and not even just storing the finished product, storing your materials. For me, it is. Trust before- me, dude. I'm gonna one day. I'm gonna do a walkthrough of. Uh, I'm surprised that my wife hasn't divorced me yet because there, I have got shit everywhere. <laughs> I am very blessed with the wife, just like you probably are, where she is yes. supportive and like of my hobby yes, and she is 100%. But go ahead. Continue with what. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, I 
I think warlock tiles are great. The snap, I don't yes. even snap them on. I just place them together and I say, if you okay. move it, you buy the next slice of you, you buy the next pizza, something like that, you know, <laughs> I and love that, that. that was a, that was a piece of advice that Charles, AKA Aloha dungeon crawl told me. He said, dude, if someone just messes it up, they got to buy the pizza next time. I freaking love that idea. I'm going to house rule that. Absolutely. So I'm crediting Charles for that, but um, right, well, no, I'm going to credit you and him by way of you. I appreciate it. Um, but no, Warlock Towers are great. Dwarven Forge. I had, I had Stefan on the podcast and the beautiful thing he said, he was like, listen, man, like I'm glad that people are doing modular terrain. We mm-hmm. were the first ones. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. there, there's that kind of flag in, you know, on top of the hill and there's a reason why they're number one, because their designs are fantastic. Now, I know Weta Workshop, yes. there's a guy from Weta Workshop um, who is designing modular terrain to sell. Wow. There's a Kickstarter yeah, on it. I didn't know. I will send you a link after this show because holy shit, it is like, it is fantastic. Is that the magnetics? Is that also magnetic stuff? Yes, it is. I think I've seen it. It is. He, it. he had uh, Adam... Uh, from he's the scientist he does experiments he did uh mythbusters adam savage thank you adam yeah. savage he tore it, it's magnetic edges magnetics around the edge it's two-sided right yep yep. i have seen it and and my first my first reaction was holy shit yeah it's something that like yeah. if it's like if you know the reason i work my job right now it's not only to pay for the bills and support my family but whatever's left over buy stuff mm-hmm. like that that's how i think at least because yes it's great but I digress. I think 3D, you know, whether you 3D print, whether you buy whatever, I think mm-hmm. the 3D terrain allows you to visually yes. see the situation and see everything. Because again, we are visual learners. We're also audio. You know, if you hear, if you have like a soundtrack in the background, I think that's why mm-hmm. I'm kind of divulging when you pay to play D&D and you get the experience of a visual component, an audio component even a texture component when you touch the mini or the terrain or you're given props, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing I'm trying to work on is actually I I, I got a, I have a quill and everything to write certain things to have that aesthetic. Um, I'm working on paper that I can, you know, kind of burn an edge so that it looks, I'm doing all that I, to yeah. fully dive into it. I don't think there's I've, anything wrong about it. No, I've done that. Uh, I bought a wax seal. So like, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you do that, you fold it up and you yep. give it to them. Yeah, totally. You know, but to, you know, to go back to your question, my view has changed a little bit because when I first had that conversation, mostly I was down on Dwarven Forge for the cost. Okay. And I sure. don't necessarily think that they overcharge for it. Obviously, I don't know what it costs to produce that shit. Um, you know, well, I'm pretty passed. sure it's 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 made in America, and it's uh, um, for the most part, it's hand sculpted, and then they process, then they yeah. mass produce it. Yeah. But it's, I think, and I know magnets, you know, rare earth magnets are not cheap, but I don't know necessarily think that that in and of itself it is overpriced Mm-mm. my problem was that to have the beauty to me of modular terrain is to have basic sets of stuff where you could create like oh i need a tavern or i need a cavern or or whatnot and what a lot of people i think have have done or felt like they they needed to do is to have a terrain set up for every single encounter of a specific um, adventure. Yes. And that's where it gets to be thousands of dollars worth of terrain. Okay. I agree. And I think that I, 
man, we're speaking the same language because I yeah. don't. So think, when I, when yeah. I buy stuff, I buy very basic pieces and sets that I can at reuse as much as possible. Now I am currently yep. writing a homebrew campaign and it's pretty lofty. It's pretty all encompassing. I don't want to, I don't have time to build an entire world. So I'm building it on top of forgotten realms. Okay. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of changing the, the, the history a little bit to fit in. It's a very ancient history. So it kind of predates the forgotten realms history. So that's how I'm weaving it in. Okay. It uses, uses the general world. It uses the map for something like that. Since it's my homebrew, I may start buying, okay, here is encounter one. Here's encounter two, mm. you know, because that's, that's a, you know, that's my homebrew campaign. And I've been, and I'm running two groups through it and I'm kind of writing it as I go. I'm using them as test, test groups. Okay. To sure. Write it as I go. And I'm actually, and as um, you're saying this, I'm look, cause I'm looking at some of the things that, cause I think you and I are on the same page. First off, you don't have to have a set, a, a built set for every encounter. No, sh- no. You would and go I'm, insane I'm not gonna if you do had that the shopping with a, with a published. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that for a published module or a published, yeah. you know, adventure. I'm not gonna no. spend that kind of money. Hell no. Hell right. no. I'm... So I, I guess that's kind of where I was knocking it a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, it's like people look at Matt Mercer and you know, and it's like you know they've got studio budget. So if he needs two thousand dollars of terrain, boom, he's got two thousand dollars of terrain. You know, what for I mean? sure. But in seeing what people have done with it and how cinematic they could make it. And again, I'll throw Malcolm out there because he combines it with lighting and, and music tracks because he's, he's so immersed in the, in the cinematic world. Malcolm is at a whole another level yeah. of I, DMing. Yeah. I do think that terrain, the terrain is a really awesome thing. Hell, if we had this shit when I was a kid, not that we would have been able to afford any of it, but oh my God, we would have, we would have, our heads would have just exploded. Well, that's where the market comes in, right? The market yeah. saw nothing. But I, but anyway, to answer your, your original question, I think I fall in the middle. I do like to use terrain when I can, when I have it, I have crafted some stuff. Um, I'm, I'm crafting a little bit more and more when I find the time, but I don't, you know, I proxy the shit out of things, you know, I don't have to have the exact right mini as long as it's a cool mini. I throw unpainted shit out there all the time. Yeah. I mean, well, I have a pile of shame, so it's not going to. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in the middle. Really, really long winded answer of i think i fall in the middle from my for my games so probably me... skewing eventually toward more towards the 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 10 range of the, i hear you the... so let me ask you a follow-up question then do you believe in rule of cool or do you, are you a you know rules as written individual again i think i probably fall in the middle, middle. but definitely skewed towards rule of cool okay and that's one thing that i try to you know when i'm dealing with new players or or, um, you know, anything of the sort, you know, D&D rules are there to tell. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. They're there to tell a story. Okay. Very true. In my opinion, the rules should never, the story always trumps the rules. Right. And yes. if it is, if you break all kinds of rules because something's cool shit, that's what people are going to remember. They're not going to no. remember, oh, I utilized X skill and rolled this and yada, yada, yada. They're going to remember like, yeah, I failed crazy uh, on trying to jump off a roof, but I caught a flagpole and it and it catapulted me back up to the other roof and yada yada yada. And you know, who cares what the role was or the or the rule was? Exactly. I so, my players to this day, um, they remember an instance 
where they kind of did the fastball special uh, for the, <laughs> okay. for the, it was a dragonborn. It was a dragonborn paladin and a half orc cleric who were just, they were muscle paladin, muscle cleric, right? Just okay. bulky. I think they had 18 in their strength. Like that was their actual, like they definitely yeah. put their highest there. Okay. Well, with that said, they half ball, they, they you know, they fastball special, the half elf warlock, um, which in my <laughs> world, elves and half elves, very much like Lord of the Rings. They don't weigh like a lot, like they don't weigh a lot. Yeah. Right? Yep. Well, they decided to pick them up <clears throat> and throw them across because the big bad evil of the, of that tier one play, that level five, level six play was getting away. Um, they had done a lot of great, it was a vampire. They were doing a lot of great damage. Um, they had basically placed a stake in its heart, not all the way, but enough. Mm -hmm. And they droused it with holy water. So it was enough to like stop the, um, at least I had homebrewed it enough to stop the regeneration process that vampires sure. have. Uh -huh. Well, they threw him and then, and that was natural twenties. Both of them rolled natural twenties on the throw. <laughs> and then as basically they're role-playing it and mind you, these guys have never played D and D these guys um, were like, we would all play world of Warcraft or we would play Diablo together. So we were playing video games more than anything and then transitioned. So I'm in my mind having to role play this almost harder so that we can, I can keep them on here. Well, the warlock rolls a natural 20 on his Eldritch Blast, like a or Eldritch Spear attack roll. And the he rolled like max damage too. Like it was like the stars had aligned. Uh -huh. And at that point, I was like, yeah, you definitely like that is not technically possible. But the, the how they thought about it, their story, their everything, like, yeah, they and so happens that they did actually point wise defeat the big bad evil. But yeah. all that rules as written would not have been able to happen. Exactly. But, but the, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. At the end of the day, it didn't matter. Like it we still yeah. remember that, even though we haven't played together um, just because of their lives and whatnot. Um, they remember it. We all remember it. And it, it was and fantastic. And that's what's important. At and that, that point, the rules are not important. That's that's what's important. Hell no. I think, I, th I think rules law and actually I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I think rules lawyers are needed, but I don't necessarily believe that adhering to the law of the rule is as important as the story. Right. And here, and, and again, we, there's a place in time for the rules lawyer. The rules yes. lawyer is there to help the DM, but the rules lawyer shouldn't overstep a boundary in the regards of, Hey, it has to be done this way because the rules say it. So I don't know. Well, I, I agree with you a hundred percent yeah and and even you know understanding those and it's not the type of game where it's like oh you can't play because you haven't read the player's handbook and no the not DM's at all. guide cover to cover i've still never read the whole dm's guide i'm ashamed to admit but oh, hell know. no dude I've, i haven't read um, everything um but so you know the rules learning understanding the rule is great and mm -hmm. then you make the decision how does it fit into this this situation sure. and what's going to be the most fun for the game i mean it's a fucking game yeah at the end of the day it's a game we're all playing a game okay yeah so i agree with you a game of make-believe in, in addition yeah. to that like this isn't a yeah, video exactly. game <laughs> exactly yeah like there's there's dragons in the world right there, there are dragons in the right. world so yeah so i agree with you wholeheartedly on on that yeah so i guess i guess i should amend and say i am definitely rule of cool um, yeah I, I guess i'm fully a nine or a ten on that scale understood understood um, i like to know the rules i like to you know i like to create 
a little bit more convoluted homebrew rules. Mm-hmm. But again, even those, like, you know, you break them, you know, if yeah. you know the rules, you can break them when needed. So with that being said, what do you think about some of the things that have come out recently in some of the books? Uh, like Tasha's Cauldron of Everything brought up some uh, some things. Uh, Mordenkainen's brought up uh, or is bringing up some things. I feel like it, I, th- I feel like we're entering the 5.5 era. So first off, do you do you think that we're entering in 5.5 or do you still think we're in five? I have a sneaking a suspicion good... that we're heading into yeah. 5.5. That is that's a very good point. Okay. Now you brought up one thing, and I talked about this also with Adam and I think maybe Malcolm about Tasha's. What I'm gonna ask you, what specifically are you talking about from Tasha's? And I think okay. you know where I'm going with this because you and I may have talked about it too. Yes. Uh we're gonna we're gonna get spicy here, folks. Um yeah. The stats regarding certain okay. regarding certain stats. That's one thing I'm gonna that's the first thing I'm gonna mention. Certain stats. I don't necessarily disagree, but I also think that the so actually I have a couple of things I'm gonna talk about with Tasha's if you don't mind. Um have at it. Number one, I like the fact that they reiterated that specific rule or that the DM has the final choice and say on certain things because it goes back to the rule of cool. Everything that is written and said, if it doesn't adhere to your story, trash it, homebrew it, do whatever you want. That's what I got the feeling that WizKid said. Um, don't quote me on that. That, that's just my that I commend them for. for Not that it has to be called out, but the fact that they did, I, I like that. I, I agree. The second thing, I think now they have like you can do plus two to a stat and a plus one to somewhere else or whatever the the stat thing is. I don't know how I I don't know how well that would work mechanically because, okay, for example, if you, you know, humans still get plus one to everything. Right. And then I just don't know how fair it is from a mechanic, like from a balancing perspective. That's just me. I have, I have, I take huge, huge issue with that rule. Okay. Explain if you don't mind. Let me just say that the the newest rule, what's the newest book monsters of the multiverse or something like that. Yeah. More kind of, I'm definitely going to get it. Just saying. Or I think, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm, I love that. The fact that there is now a whole list of playable races, I love. Yes, I think, and there's, no, there's like up to, th- there's 30 in there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so I think that is great. Yes. I have a specific issue with the Tasha's stat point rule. Okay. And I know why WizKids did it. And from a corporate standpoint, you kind of have to. Understood. That and aside, I... That aside, uh-huh. I have a huge issue with with diluting those stereotypes. Mm. Okay, and I'm gonna get you know, and so far nobody's giving me shit about this. But uh, no, I mean, and remember, this my audience has been my audience has been small, and I'm and some people may think like I'm I'm starting to you know to sound like a dick, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I think that the way without getting too deep into this, because this is a whole nother, this is again, a whole episode. And I would love to have like you and me and Malcolm and Jim and more people talk about it in a forum. But the, the, the negative stereotypes in game, and I won't go into them specifically. For sure. There are different ways to handle those. And I think Mm. Matt Mercer does a great job in the fact that in his world, you know, it's not like, Oh, you see an orc, he's a bandit and he's going to kill you, you know? Um, 
an, an orc can be a, a benevolent, you know, Lord benefactor like yes. uh, Estros, yes. right? Okay. Um, Matt Mercer is the goat. I'm, he's, I'm sorry. He's the goat because yeah. these are, he is, he has, the, as we would say, he has the cojones to actually do what DMs, a group of DMs have been doing for a while and showcase it without any fear. If you're an orc, that does not mean you're evil. If you are right. a goblin, it does not mean you're evil. Right. Just, you could also doesn't. be an elf who's a piece of shit, right? Absolutely. So I think that I my opinion is that by making that rule, you just you dilute the lore of the game, you dilute the idea of the culture of those characters, and a lot of the same thing is going on in, in the real world. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, there is a point at which <laughs> everyone should be treated equally. That goes without saying. Okay? For sure. But people but people are different. And yeah, when of you, course. When There's beauty in the difference. Equalize, yeah. When you try to equalize past a certain point, what you're doing is you're doing a disservice to those cultures because you're not celebrating those cultures. You're not teaching mm. other people about those cultures. And, and you're trying to make everybody homogenous, which is just as destructive as, as the other end of things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, as right? someone, and, and, yeah, no, go for it. And Sorry. in the game, I, I see it as the same thing. Not to mention the fact that, again, it's a fucking game, okay? Yeah. It is a fucking game. It's Even fantasy. It my daughter in the background's world. talking. My daughter in the background's talking, and she's agreeing with you, man. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Even and a three-month-old agrees with this. <laughs> there you go. I have I have reached the new generation. And then from a very practical, you know, mechanical standpoint, it's it's bullshit because even from a character mm -hmm. standpoint, now, first of all, if you're a min-maxer, there's no reason you wouldn't be a mountain dwarf for anything, right? Yeah, that's true. Because now you could be anyone that wears armor and uses weapons yep. because you can put your stats anywhere. Yep. And it just, again, it just, it you're homogenizing every race to now doesn't matter. And I'm contradicting a little bit because, you know, it shouldn't matter what the mechanics are if you if you role play and storytell you know, very well. But I do still feel like, you know, why mechanically and, and score wise, why does everybody have to be exactly the same? There should be some angst towards, oh man, I really want to play a magic user, but a dwarf is not the best race to do that. But I'm going to fucking try it anyway you know exactly that and that's and I, that, my, I agree my last character was a was a mountain dwarf magic user before the tasha's rules did okay. i have you know was it the perfect build for a magic user for a wizard no but i'm going to role play that deficiency rather mm -hmm. than just saying oh great now i could shift my scores around and what else i have a huge fucking problem with that tasha's rule i think the rest of the stuff where they're opening it up you know diversity wise allowing all these new races i think that stuff is great i mean i think um, the fact that they're well, so i'll say this i think we're heading into the era of 5.5 5. um yeah it's been two it's been what since 2014 to now so almost so eight years i think since yep. fifth mm -hmm. edition came out i think and you know opinion may change after more data is released 
but I think we're heading into 5.5. With mm-hmm. that being said, I think the direction in which we're going 5.5, we all need to be cautious of, and we need to tread lightly because as someone who, like what you were stating earlier, you know, celebrating the cultures and whatnot, I have a lot of, you know, I'm primarily Hispanic Latino. Like that is, you know, that is the, I guess the box, but there are many different cultures within the Hispanic Latino group, right? There are beautiful cultures in Mexico where it's Northern, Central, and Southern Mexico. And Mm -hmm. depending on the town or the region, same thing with Spain, same thing, you know, because my family is from Spain and my parents are from two different sides. Ironically, they're from the sides of Spain that actually hate each other. So it's (laughs) ironic that they've been married for almost 40 years. Uh Um, at least that's the joke in the family uh, because they literally like literally their ancestry is from two different parts of Spain that have always been at war with one another. It's like some Romeo and Juliet shit, dude. Mm. Um, that, but there's different culture. And like my dad's fat yeah. side of the family has a completely different culture than my mom's side. Um, and, you know, especially like and then on my mom's side, there's, you know, there are f- those who, you know, Thing. I don't know what the percentage would be, but half of them are Catholic, half of them are Jewish. So there's now mm-hmm. other cultures based upon their upon the faith or the different faiths. So there's a d- bunch of different culture that we should all celebrate and acknowledge and, and, you know, carry on from there. So when you as a dungeon master don't necessarily translate that into your game properly, there's a problem, in my opinion. I think you should be able to, as a dungeon master, whether you play modules or whether you homebrew, specifically and especially if you homebrew, you don't have to make the orc the evil. If you want to, you can, but you could do something, an example from my game. There is no evil race. There are evil factions and people with evil intentions. Mm-hmm. There right now, and for the players that are going to listen to this, just shut your ears for like 10 seconds. <laughs> um, but there's a particular high elf that is like in the background manipulating a lot of things to the point Ooh. where they're like, they're like a war hawk. You know what I mean? Like they're like causing yes. things on purpose and they're a high elf. They're supposed to be seen as this noble creature and this noble person. And the background with that is they had suffered so much through war that now for them, it's like, I'm going to benefit from the thousands of years that I was in war and, you know, a POW and all these other things I'm going to, you know, it's more of the psychological um, evil factions, again, just different things that occur. My world, orcs, you know, just like everyone in the world through evolution and as a, his, you know, as a historian, I, I draw from that. We all were, we all had a tribe. Then the tribe became a village. Then the village became a town and then the town became a city and so on and so forth. The orcs in my world are like the best fighters. Like they are like hands down the best fighters. They're very much like the U.S. where like in the sense of like they have states, like they're mm-hmm. their part of the world is like state driven. So they have these little, you know, colony state type things. They have representatives that meet. They have one elected official who leads the whole thing, but they all like convene. But like they pretty much are um, like some of the best warriors. Uh, but again, they believe in like freedom and dem- like they it, I did style it after the U.S. like 1776 to 1790 like that first 20 years of we're stepping away from being a colony or from being, you know, England, uh, a colony of England to now finding our independence and our identity. And that's kind of what 
the orcs were, right? The In my world, the orcs um, finally found a place where they can call home because they were like, uh, I kind of like this northern part, but it's really cold. Oh, this part where the gnomes live, it's really hot. I'm going to find mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. So they've, they've just been wandering. That's really what it was. They were wandering to find their promised land, so to speak, quote unquote. Other than that, I mean, there are good orcs, there are bad orcs, but let me tell you a secret. 80% of them are neutral. They're there to just survive and do their own thing. Other than mm-hmm. that, if you mess with them, they'll mess with you. If you don't, they'll buy you a beer. That's how mm-hmm. That's how I run things, and it's worked pretty well. No one has had a complaint. Even in my paid games, no one has had a complaint about it. Everyone's been really relaxed about it. I mean, my favorite NPC is an orc wizard. They Mm -hmm. came from nobility and they were trained all their life to uh, fight and to be like a a knight and then essentially to to inherit the, the dukedom. But this individual wants to just read and learn about magic. So like secretly, he studies magic. So like he fights at night and then studies magic or fights during the day studies magic at night so like kind of like the you know after like uh after work like (laughs) working on a magic degree type thing night school yeah night school exactly um that's one of my favorite um pcs that one of my players came up with and then i converted into an npc uh when they had to retire from the game so Mm -hmm. i don't know i just don't I don't see what the big deal is with people. It's a game. Why do you have to limit yourself to certain constraints when it's just a game? Yeah. And, and I, and I agree. And it's, I mean, it's not a comfortable conversation to have because yeah, there are, there are correlations made between, you know, like it's said that there are correlations made between orcs and the African-American community. And obviously that stuff has to be, has to be dealt with. You can't just sweep it under the rug. For sure. I just think, I just think that it falls upon DMs and players to treat it with, um, with care and with respect. And I agree. And I, like I said, I think some of the rules that are coming out are really great about supporting that, like all the new playable races. For sure. I think some of them, and again, I understand why they did it as a corporation, um, but, you know, stuff like, you know, like the the mechanics, uh, the stat rule, that particular rule, I have a I have a big problem with. Well, with what you were saying about orcs and the correlation or what they're trying to pin, or folks are trying to, you know, talk about this. And I think, yeah, we have to have the conversation. I believe, though, the rumor came, and I'm calling it a rumor because as a historian, I was classically trained that you needed primary sources and secondary primary sources mm-hmm. being from the time period from the individual, like a personal right. journal, and then secondary sources, either witnesses of the first or people who you know wrote about that. Yes. So the rumor is that they said that Tolkien associated all this. And I'm removing my biasness because I can also, as an adult and as a historian, I, rem- I, mean, I can remove my biasness. But historically speaking, not only did his son talk about this, C.S. Lewis spoke about this, and a lot of his colleagues at uh, Oxford, I believe it was mm-hmm. Oxford where he taught. I think so. When the war start, when the Second World War started, he was approached by f- individuals from Nazi Germany to join his side and teach propaganda. And he laughed at their face because he said, and I'm paraphrasing this part, but he said that your your intelligence officers must be horrible because you would have known that I'm a fifth generation gypsy. Mm-hmm. And he called them out in their face and basically told them to 
you know, piss off Mm -hmm. because again, Tolkien was a fifth generation gypsy living in England. Um, Mm -hmm. And he had a lot of pride. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why he wrote Lord of the Rings was because he understood that the English, the Wodes, um, their history was erased during the Saxon and, uh, you know, Scandinavian, Norwegian, you know, Viking invasion. History was wiped out. Um, So that's why he created Lord of the Rings. Um, He was also influenced a lot by <clears throat> excuse me, by uh, his you know personal faith and things of that matter. And the regards of the Lord of the Ring was like the classic good versus evil battle. Like, you know, the it, it was like the the demons versus the, the celestial. So let's just call it mm-hmm. like that. But he was very adamant about that where, you know, again, when segregation was a thing, he was one of the guys who was a very snippy individual against people who were just like the story of Betty White, where on her show, she, I forget the singer that she had, but she like booked him more time, you know, that kind of like, I'm going to stick it to you this way. Mm-hmm. She, he, apparently he would do that in Oxford as well. When people would say something he about a particular student of, you know, color or whatever it may be, um, or a particular background minority ethnicity, fill in the blank. He would actually have that student lecture and give the lecture because he knew that, you know, and the sent not only for spite, I don't think it was spite, but more to, to prove a point of, hey, anyone can do this. So your fallacies are just ridiculous. But again, mm. there's a lot of, you know, because there's also the fact and, and I think you and I can share this too. Um, Because we've had this conversation, so I think you and I can share this part where we've talked about the dwarves, the elves, the men, hobbits, well, well, we know halflings, but hobbits, all those, you know, were portrayed as quote unquote good. When in his world, it was quite literally, he talks about how there were all these races before the age of man, humans took over. Like this Mm -hmm. was supposed to be like the history of England and of the world before this modern time so it's like all these different races were about um Mm -hmm. he talks i mean and not not once and again christopher tolkien confirmed this too did he say that there weren't people of color in his world he didn't Mm -hmm. he didn't say it on the contrary he said yeah that's and and again the man was so brilliant to say yeah from an evolutionary perspective why wouldn't there be different pigmentations to their color based upon where they lived because fun fact and i'm going really geeky in here man um so i apologize no, I'm to the loving this, and i know and i know how much of a history buff you are and and a history scholar so i well, this you know, I, I got I'm in student loan debt just for history. Listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have so a little please. bit of student loan debt and learning how to be a historian, but and I <laughs> joke around that it was all for D D. But um the dwarf there were actually several more dwarven kingdoms in the Lord of the Rings, one of them being in the desert. So they actually have more um like features from an evolutionary perspective um from that area. <clears throat> he also talks about there were a, there was another set of dwarves that lived like in like more like they basically going into the point where the dwarven kingdoms were all over the place in the middle earth setting um or Beleriand, um as it was called so mm-hmm. you with that assumption there has to be some sort of thought process of okay from a logical perspective if the person was truly intending to be a racist or a bigot or whatever why would they include these creatures or races or whatever to be in these particular areas versus maybe this is a story right because the history of the l or the history of the orcs rather were elves 
who were tortured. Yeah. So his personal experience as a World War One veteran, seeing his friends tortured, con- he, that was his way of dealing. He didn't have therapy. No one had therapy back then. No one believed in it. This was his therapy going through what happened so, in the war. Let me ask you a question now. Go for it. Now, again, I am, I am no, I will admit. So I don't want to be speaking out of turn. If I am, if I misquote something, I should be called out for it, but I am nowhere near as versed in Tolkien's background and history as you mm-hmm. are. Um, my understanding is, is what you've said is that he was not a racist individual and, and quite the opposite. Um, I did a little bit of research, you know, being Jewish, that is obviously always a, you know, a, it's like, oh, like what kind of person was this? I'm invested in his, in his creation. What kind of person was this? For sure. You know, it's like, it's like, um, kind of an aside, but, uh, you know, the Cthulhu mythos, which I absolutely love, right? Dude, he- but H.P. Lovecraft was a racist, bigoted son of a bitch. Anti-Semitic, he really was. you know, asshole. He really was. Um, but does that mean that, you know, uh, I mean, am I not going to still enjoy that mythos? Yeah. Are you going to no. separate the two? That's the thing. It's separating the two. And it's not right, necessarily right. condoning or condemning. It's, and I'm glad you brought up Lovecraft because. Yeah. And I don't think his, I don't think his mythos has the same correlation. And I, I don't know, maybe it does. Maybe I haven't read into it enough or read into the history of, of and, and what his, what his um, thoughts were on that. But getting back to Tolkien, and this is more of a question with the orcs, okay, and the correlations mm-hmm. that the orcs have to the African-American community in a negative light. Do you feel that that is something that, that was done intentionally? Or even if he didn't do it maliciously, did he model them on 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 that culture okay Mm -hmm. or is that something over the years given our history you know our modern history since the time you know from segregation Mm -hmm. up until well since slavery through segregation through now and i don't think we've made much fucking progress at all (laughs) given where we are today yeah do you think that that has been placed upon that story by external factors and that's what it's become and that's why we are sensitive to it and again i'm not saying that we should overlook that for sure correlation for sure but there but i i feel that again it can be dealt with differently rather than just saying that you know we'll take orcs out of the game or whatever because in my mind and here again this is kind of a question you know you are more versed uh in the history than i am but in my mind he's again it's a fantasy story and yes he was modeling it on you know certain aspects of the real world but you have to have a villain i mean what you know at what point does it become like you know i I mean black pudding has has rights too it's like you know where do you stop you know what is is, your villain yeah rock falling from the sky yeah that's true So my question is was was that a, was that a villain that he that he truly felt could be a persona, you know, a humanoid personified villain or were these undertones? OK, so I'm going to answer it this way, because this is so I'm going to kind of reverse engineer it. Mm-hmm. This was a good versus evil. His faith influenced a lot. So the original mm-hmm. big, bad, evil guy was Morgoth 
which was supposed yes. to be Lucifer. Melkor turned into Lucifer yep. to, to Satan, so to speak. Right. And then, you know, Sauron being the underling of, um, again, same personification, Satan. So in no way, shape or form were those creatures or people, the big bad, e- the true big bad evils were Satan. And then the ring representing lust, like, pa- like greed, power. Yeah. All the basically the 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 seven deadly sins, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The the orcs in their origination were elves who were tortured. So he was taking what he learned and what he saw in the war in World War One and bringing it. <clears throat> Logically speaking, if we if the correlation was if he intended for the correlation to be there, I think he would have just said that orcs were boom poof orcs versus elves being tortured. His representation for that was how the human being can become evil and corrupted and manipulated, hence the ring wraiths, hence all this. It's a huge correlation of actual like corruption and how we can become, we can turn into, you know, something else. So do you see his portrayal of orcs as, as, uh, um, you know, less, let's just say less intelligent and burlier and, and these, I mean, is that, to serve the function of a monster to battle. Um, I think or, so. I don't, I don't, were I don't, there undertones towards the, the African-American? I don't think there were undertones from the work, from what I've been studying and what the notes that I've read, uh, you know, his personal notes, mind you. Um, again, pri- I would rather stick with the primary sources. And if mm-hmm. folks can, and again, folks in the audience, if you can provide primary sources, and this is not a challenge, it's more for education. Just want to, mm-hmm. if there are primary sources that specifically state, this is my inspiration for this, like hand, again, we all primary sources are handwritten from the individual or from the people around him that could witness and say, oh yeah, this guy was this. I would love to, because then I will redact my statement and and go from there. I would rather pursue the truth than anything else. I think he intended it to be, that's just the monster, not any type of racial undertones. Because then we, because of, you know, on that side too, they were saying that the dwarves were of the, you know, Jewish background. Mm -hmm. And again, I just think that for him. Short, big noses and jewelers. Yeah. Now, and again, I don't know. I, there's there, there, he has not written anything regarding orcs or dwarves or anything of that nature because then like who would the humans be like who you know the elves the elves may have some sort of english mm-hmm. you know but if you read that that's in the lord of the rings if you read the cimmerillion yeah they kill everyone they yeah. like the elves are like bloody like but again mm-hmm. that's humankind yeah on the contrary so i guess I, I think he's exuberating different personalities of humans, you know, how we can be emotional, how we can be stoic, how we can be all these different things. And again, what I would like to do as time permits is start diving into more of his personal, if if I can find his personal notes, if I can find, I mean, via the internet, obviously I can't physically, but I think that is a that would be a big thing. But the main thing I would like to tell the audience, because we kind of dove deep into some deep things. Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, as a human being, if you are offended by this in any particular way, like let's take a breath and let's look back and say, okay, there's if there was evil intentions, right? Re, you know, racist, bigotry, whatever. The man's dead. It's our job now as people living and breathing in this generation to do better. Yeah. So going back to what we were saying in your game, you should portray orcs the way you want to portray orcs. Yeah. 
it falls upon the DM and the players to tell that story with care. And, and, you know, the unfortunate thing is now, you know, to play, you know, to kind of uh, play the other side of my argument, um, sure. you know, why does it have to change, you know, blah, blah, blah. The unfortunate reality is we are where we are today and it is a sensitive subject and it should be changed. Okay. Yes, I agree. It's how you it's how you change it. And I guess where I have the problem is, again, instead of instead of um, uh, diluting that culture, maybe look at it in a positive light instead of a negative light. And, mm-hmm. you know, to get back to a very, a very um, mechanical uh, explanation is why do you have to take away that plus two? strength okay i mean you know people are different people come from different backgrounds and certainly there are differences in people and it doesn't always necessarily mean it's bad it's how you treat Mm -hmm. those cultures yes and and therein lies you know the tragedy of of where we are um with the racism issue it's how people are treated but you should not take away that identity Okay, and you should not um, hobble what makes that identity different, in my opinion. I absolutely agree with you, man. And I, you know, I think you said it perfectly. And I know that time wise, we're we can talk forever, but I do want to make sure that I talk to you a little bit about RPG Co. Like, you know, anything that you would want to talk about, what do you you what do you got going on? Where can people find you? Because I, I want to make sure that I hit that before. Because again, I know we could talk about this for a long time. I know, time. I know. And, and I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, what? I don't even know what I have to do today, work wise. But I'm like, God, I want to do this all day. But, but we both I have know. shit to do enough. <laughs> I'm in the same um, boat. I know. Uh, no, I appreciate that very much. So um, I I have been remiss in my in my RPG and company duties over the past couple of months. I, we were talking about this a little bit before we started. Um, my day job has been ridiculously busy November, December, uh, most of this past month, which is good and bad. Um, obviously, it's a very good thing because I get to pay the bills and buy all the that's important. Uh, but um, I've been uh, I've been in I want to say planning mode. That's going to be my excuse. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, I'm going to start up lawfully chaotic again. Uh, Sweet. Again, it is now going to be solely a an RPG company endeavor. Although I still, you know, um, I'm still going to collaborate with Adam and want you guys on. And I'm going to I'm going to see about doing that this week. If not, maybe the week after. But yeah, uh, I think let me know. I'm developing a, a, a way of an idea of what that looks like with just me at the reins. And I think it's going to mostly be having people on like you because we have these awesome conversations. Um, I, you know, for a long time when I created RPG and company, I, I, I wanted to just let it grow organically. I'm at the point now where I've, I've got to have a, a focus. And I think that focus has become, I was fighting it for a while, but uh, you know, my buddies were, were telling me like, why are you fighting it? It's who you are. It is my design work and my creative work and artwork and stuff. Um, so I'm continuing to support the community from a branding standpoint. And mm-hmm. there are so many people with so, so much creativity and, and, and um, so many great ideas for, for their own businesses within the community. Um, and a lot of people need guidance with that. Um, well, I you did, you, you did the that. logo for my, for the bearded nerd stuff. Like you revamped everything. So I love your work. That was a tweak though. I, I, I don't want to ever take credit where it's not due. That was a tweak based on your, your existing design but yes i was happy to do that um but um 
So there's that. And by extension of that, I, I really want to focus on usable content. So um, I'm going to continue with the magic items, the homebrew rules. I want to start doing some maps, some adventures. Uh, event, eventually, this, this homebrew that I'm writing, this campaign, I want to publish. Uh, so I threw everything up on Patreon. Um, it's now there. But I want to start sharing that with people a lot more. Um, again, like usable content. Um, mm. I mean, you know, me yapping my mouth about things is awesome, but, <laughs> but I want to give people like a, you know, something that is, that is usable, but, um, and, and additionally more also video content, um, little tips, tricks type stuff, you know, similar to stuff you do. I mean, we all support each other. So just, yeah. All of that. I just want to kind of get back in gear and actually start producing some consumable content uh, for people. Um, that's pretty much my goal. And uh, like you said, any any ideas you have for joint ventures? I just you know you know where to find me. Uh, I have a spreadsheet oh, yeah. full of that them. That charity gone. thing is an awesome idea. I always want to do something. Like that. Yeah, so, I'm I'm down to do that. I'll I'll have a spreadsheet of ideas that I would love to pass to you. Uh, I probably okay. will when we, uh, <laughs> I probably will after uh, we get done recording, I'll send them to you. But yeah, no, yeah, I will post links. I will post links in the description so that folks can check it out. Because again, I really think like I'm looking right now uh, at your, uh, what's it called? At your Patreon via on the interwebs here. And I mean, honestly, it's good. Like it's a good, there's I, value to it. Like there, I, I especially for magic. Very, very much. Oh, no, no, no. I question absolutely. that all the time. You know, as a creative, I question all the time, like, is this oh, of any value? I have changed my, I think I have changed my like Patreon stuff that actually, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of times just because I was like, oh, am I providing enough value? But again, mm-hmm. things like magic items, things that save me time and allow me to play the game versus having to do things for the game mm-hmm. is a time it's 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 priceless because i'm saving time okay. that's how that's, i look at it that is great to know and right now the the patreon stuff that's just the beginning all i you know the only stuff up there right now is my magic items and the homebrew rules um, yeah but again i'm gonna i'm gonna put a bunch more stuff up there mostly it's still instagram and and my website is the best place to find me and then again um i really wanna uh i have i have big plans <laughs> how much of that has followed through remains to be seen but i have big plans for uh you know lawfully chaotic studios which is i'm kind of treating that as my video content arm okay. of rpg and company um okay but it's going to be posted on both RPG and Company and Lawfully Chaotic, YouTube and Twitch and all that jazz. So. I hear you. Well, I mean, I'll be thing posting is just collaborating links. as much as I appreciate that very much. And likewise, uh, you know, always. I appreciate it. No, and the collabs are going to be the thing is, man, like you're a great artist and you, uh, it's like why I've, I stated earlier, you know, your artistic talent is very in line with what I really enjoy and like. And I, again, I know that. Thank you you stated earlier, you did some work with Critical Role, which people can actually see what you did. Mm-hmm. And that art style is very much something that I enjoy personally. And when I met you and I was like, hey, wait a minute, your art style is really similar. And then two and two, you know, equals four. And I was like, ah, that's why. Um, you know, because, it's funny. Uh-huh. And this, I don't want to interrupt, but but along those exact lines, it's been a while since I've done critical role work. They have they have moved into a new phase of their endeavor, which <laughs> I don't fault them for. It's fucking fantastic. I don't know if you've watched uh, Vox Machina, the, the, the show Love it. yet. It's good. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, I'm watching it. And I'm still like, I can't believe this is where they're at. 
So that is awesome. Um, so I haven't done work for them in quite a while. Uh, the Scanlon shirt was the last thing I did, which I did like a year ago, but they just put it up um, uh, like within the past couple of months. But it's funny because it's been a long time since I've heard somebody say, uh, one of my players on my Wednesday night paid game was mm-hmm. like, he's like, dude, did you do work for critical role? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I heard them call your name out on campaign three. I was like, wait a second. That's my DM. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. That's yeah, the dude. first time I've heard that in like over a year. <laughs> they called you out in campaign. Uh, yeah. Like I remember yeah. here, I remember cause I, I didn't, so I kind of binge critical role. So like I kind of waited for a couple episodes to go in. Yeah. I heard your mm-hmm. name in the episodes. Like, dude, I know that guy. Like, I know it's still, it, it's awesome though, dude. And again, this is what the community is about. This is what I love about it. Yeah. That although it's a huge yeah. community, it's small. It's like a game store. Like everyone, yeah. not to quote cheers, but everyone does kind of know your name, you know? Yeah. It's fantastic. And I have yet to meet any of you in person, you know? And that's yet. why I, I still say like COVID was the best thing that happened because I have this whole new group of friends. And like I said, I mean, you and I just, you and I could sit here for another four hours just talking about shit. Hence the charity stream. <laughs> yes. I think that's a great idea as an excuse to sit there for six hours or 12 hours. I'm cool with that. That's a fantastic idea. Hell yeah, dude. I'm cool with that. I'm down. I am down to do that. And again, and this is these are con- the conversations and we went from very, and again, just for the audience, cause I really felt called to do this now, like for the audience, we went deep, we went, we had some roller coasters. We had some lighthearted and some deep hearted conversations, yeah. but this is what the gaming community is about. We're, we learn from one another. We grow with one another. And that doesn't, you know, just because we have difference of opinions or even questioning certain things does not mean that at the end of the day, we got your back. Like at the end of the day, we have your back, no matter how you feel, no matter, you know, whatever's going on in your mind and your brain or in your heart, whatever you got to go, you know, we're here to always support and help you. So I I wanted to make sure that I left off with that because I don't want, you know, I've always said this, no matter what the data is, because I work with data, what, how it makes you feel is valid as well. Right. Um, Yep. the, The data may say, okay, here's a kind of a tongue in cheek. The data may say that gluten's horrible for people, but gluten makes me feel great. I love, it makes me feel, it makes me feel happy. And in the same note, whatever the data may say, the history may say, right? The history may say one thing, but if it makes you feel a certain way, that also, that's also valid. So mm-hmm. I just want to let folks know that you, you are valid in whatever you think and say and believe. But with that being said, we're here for you. Um, I will be posting links. I appreciate everyone for listening and I appreciate um, a like and a follow and a comment down below to just, you know, let us know what your thoughts are. Um, Go follow, excuse me, go follow RPG and co Brian. He's on Instagram and check out the website. There's a lot of great things on there. We appreciate you listening again. Remember, always be kind and compassionate. Some crazy times right now, but kindness and compassion. That's the key. We love y'all stay safe out there. And as always folks, keep gaming. Thank you.